Hey, Grace family, so good to be with you guys today. I have the privilege today to be speaking to not just one of our Grace churches, Grace Capital City, where I preach every Sunday, but also preaching to Grace Marietta. So this is a real honor to be able to speak to the two newest of the Grace Churches. We up here in D.C., we love Grace Marietta. We've had Ben Hardman come up and preach for us a number of times. He's a great man, great pastor, great basketball player. Um, you guys did steal Allie Hale off of us, so we are trying to, you know, exercise some forgiveness in that. But it is an honor to be with you, Grace Capital City, and to be with you, Grace Marietta, today. We're going to be continuing in Jeremiah series. This is a series uh, we're doing across the Grace family called A Hope and a Future. And last Sunday, we started in Jeremiah chapter 1. And if you're familiar with that, if you remember that text, we're introduced to this man, Jeremiah, who is going to be a prophet to the nations. He's going to be prophesying to Israel in really what is Israel's darkest moment, the, the exile. And God speaks some really profound things to Jeremiah in that passage. It talks about how he formed Jeremiah. God talks about how he knew Jeremiah before he was even born. And it's a sense by which God is reminding Jeremiah, hey, you're going to do these amazing things. You're going to do really hard things, but really important things. But before you do any of that, you need to know these things. You need to minister out of this revelation. And so he gives Jeremiah this really insightful, beautiful reminder of who he is in God. Today we're going to skip forward to Jeremiah chapter 4. But, but before I read that text, I just want to give you a little bit of insight. Jeremiah 2 and 3 are, are really worth checking out. I encourage you to read that on your own if you can. Um, we, we get this kind of insight into who God is. He pours his heart out, this raw emotional outpouring of God's heart as he watches his beloved Israel really give themselves over to everyone except him. There's, I've heard some commentators talk about it. as, as It's almost like God is like a, a lover that's been cheated on over and over again. And so you have one verse where God is, is encouraging them, telling them, come back, return to me. And then another verse where it's, it's like, no, I don't ever want to see you again. But it's this really profound insight into the, the emotional nature of God's heart, especially for his beloved Israel. And so that leads us to Jeremiah chapter 4, which is where we're going to be today. Jeremiah 4, I'm just going to read verses 1 through to 4. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and get that out, flip on your Bible app, whatever it is you use. I'm reading from the NIV. And it says this. It says, If you will return, O Israel, return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and if in a truthful, just, and righteous way you swear as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will be blessed by him, and in him they will glory. This is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you men of Judah and people of Jerusalem, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. So this text is... this. 
pretty much two distinct sections here. We have verses 1 and 2 where it's, it's, it's like God is, is, is hitting head, head on at the, the sin of idolatry. Idolatry was central to Israel's rebellion. They, they were constantly kind of going after other idols. And, and, and God's saying here, hey, get rid of your idols. Stop offering your allegiance to idols. Stop offering your affections to idols. He's saying, return to me. Come back to me instead of these worthless idols that you're chasing after. And, and then in verse 2, there's a really important then. Right? He talks about the idolatry, and then it says, then the nations will be blessed. This is interesting because God basically, he, he, he equates living in the blessing of God with living in the covenant of God. He's saying, if, if you want to be in my blessing, you need to return to my covenant. He's saying there's no blessing in idolatry. There's no blessing. There's no life there. There's no fruit there. You're not going to find the satisfaction you're looking for in these idols. And so he, he's calling his people back to this covenant. So that's kind of the first couple of verses um, that I read. But then it goes on in verses 3 and 4, which I really want to press into today. And in verse 3 and 4, he gives two very specific instructions to the people of Israel. Two very clear instructions. He says, first of all, he says, break up your unplowed ground. And then he says, circumcise your hearts. Break up your unplowed ground and circumcise your hearts. When I was, when I was growing up in Australia for about 10 years, I've told our church this a number of times, but for about 10 years we lived kind of in the outskirts of, of Adelaide, South Australia, on what we call a hobby farm. And we, we call it a hobby farm because it's kind of like a pretend farm. It's like a farm for people who don't really know how to farm. And so we, we had 16 acres. We had a few animals. You know, it was, it was a really nice place to live. But because of that area, we were around a lot of real farms. And so me and my brothers at different holidays when we were in high school or even in university, we would work at some of the farms and we would get involved just doing manual labor, whatever they needed us to do. Well, there's this one particular farm that we worked, worked at for a number of different summers. And they had, they had a whole lot of different things going on there. They had hundreds of sheep, but they also had fields and fields of market gardening. They would grow broccoli, they'd grow cauliflower, they'd grow potatoes, and, and we would do a lot of the menial tasks that needed to be done. And so in a weird way, as a pastor living in Washington, D.C., I know a, a really strange amount about growing broccoli, which doesn't come in useful too often these days. But I'll tell you this, it really is a pretty involved process. Like, like these farmers honestly spend generations understanding the right practices. They, there's, there's exact times to harvest and, and, and getting the water just right and understanding the rainfall and understanding how you cut the, the vegetable and understanding how you package the vegetable. It's all super involved, this process. But I'll tell you one thing I learned um, maybe more than any of those other things is that you can know all the things to do, all the techniques, but none of that counts for anything unless the soil is right. Like the soil 
is where it all starts. It begins and ends in the soil. If you don't have the right soil, then you don't have anything. And in the Australian summers, you know, they are dry and brutal summers. You would, the, the dirt would just become like, like concrete, just become like a rock. And so before any kind of you know, uh, seed was scattered before they started like harvesting or, or, or planting the crops. They, they, they had these, these tractors with blades that would dig into the ground and they're turning over the soil. They're literally, it's literally breaking up the soil so that it can be ready for something to grow in it. And so you don't have to be around a farm for too long to, to realize that for the soil to be used by the farmer, it actually has to first be broken by the farmer. Before it can be used by the farmer, it's got to be broken by the farmer. And guys, this, this principle is, is true in the natural world, and it's actually true in the spiritual world as well, because you and I know there, there really is, there is a hardness of heart that can creep in, isn't there? We've all been in, in seasons of dryness where you start to feel callous. You start to feel distant from God. You feel that dryness creep in. And there's, there's so many things that lead to that. I've seen it in my own life. I, I think idolatry is one of those things. And that's, that was Israel's Central sin is idolatry. And, and maybe today, you know, we, we don't have carved wooden statues so much, but make no mistake, idolatry. Maybe there's, there's money on the throne, or there's marriage on the throne, or there's politics on the throne, or there's some, you know, you know just ideological worldview you have. And, and pretty soon you start to worship something but God. It brings in a dryness of heart, a hard heart. I've seen it, success can bring this. Where you start to believe it's about me and my strength and my best efforts and look at the things I've achieved. I think that leads us into this dryness. Uh, and on the, on the flip side of that, I think criticism. I've experienced that where you just feel like you're under attack. You feel like you're being criticized at every turn. It, it kind of starts to breed this us versus them. It's me against the world, Right? because I'm being criticized and I've got to defend myself. It brings this hardness of heart. I think apathy can be that. We just get lazy sometimes, lose intentionality. There, there, are, there are so many ways that just like the soil in a farm can get hard and, and calloused. Our, our hearts, our souls, our, our spirits can get to that place as well. And the problem, the problem with unplowed ground is just that nothing can grow in it, right? There's, there's nothing that can take root. There's no fruit that can come out of an unplowed soil. There's no life that can spring up out of that kind of dry, hard ground. And so, so God is, is calling Israel, right? He's saying, if you're going to return to me, first of all, you need to there needs to be some things that are broken. We've got to break up the soil. We've got to break up the hardness that's there. If you're really going to have hearts after me, there's a stripping back that's going to need to happen. 
This is a, there's an uprooting, some breaking down that's going to need to happen because God knows that it's actually the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough, right? It's, it's, it's the breaking down that God can use to do the things He wants to do. And, and, and this leads us to a, a principle around this idea of God breaking down and, and the need for that in our lives that I think is so central. And something that I've seen in my life, I've seen it in our church and I've just witnessed it over and over again, and I, and I believe the Scripture speaks of this. And it may seem kind of contrary um, to you when you first hear it, but I, I, I really believe that we are formed more by breaking than by building. Okay? Let, let me say that one more time. We, we are formed, and when I say formed, I'm talking about our, our spiritual life our growth, our character, our maturity, our integrity, we are formed more in the breaking than in the building. And it's, it's like contrary to so much of what we read and learn about in like Discipleship 101, isn't it? Because the Christian life is supposed to be like, if you plot it out, it's up and to the right. You know, I'm just growing and I'm building and it's glory to ever-increasing glory. And trust me, I believe in glory to ever-increasing glory. I just think glory looks very different than what we realize sometimes. And so we have this idea that everything just builds and builds and builds. But guys, I, I honestly believe that if we let God do this, right, that, 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 that God will use your failures even more than he will use your successes, that God will use failures, that he will use these, these breaking seasons in growing you, in maturing you, in, in forming you into the woman, into the man that he has destined you to be. I, I really believe we are formed more in the breaking than even in the building. Guys, there are things God wants to do in your heart and in your life, in my heart, in my life, that he wants to do in moments of brokenness, in moments of failure, in, in moments where you missed the mark, right? In, in moments where things didn't go the way you thought they would, whether you did it or someone did it to you or things were just disappointing, right? There are things God wants to do in you that are pivotal in you becoming who you are destined to be. He forms us, not just in the building, but in the breaking. I've seen it. I've been on the planet 41 years now. I had my birthday last week. <laughs> Longer than some of you watching, not as long as some others that are watching, but I've been around long enough to see this multiple times. Um, if I could give you just, and let me give you just a, an example from my own life where I've seen this. My, my first ministry assignment was at a church called Hope Valley. It's in the suburbs of Adelaide, South Australia. And I was a worship leader. I came on staff part-time, eventually became the worship pastor there. But I came on, I was about 20 years old, maybe 21, and I was, I was young, I was full of ambition, I was full of drive, I was maybe a little overzealous, maybe even a little bordering on arrogant sometimes, but all of a sudden I was given this opportunity 
not just to lead worship, but to lead this whole ministry department. And I was, I remember starting out and I'm just like, man, I'm going to like go for this thing. And so I started like flexing that apostolic muscle, which I, I wouldn't have had that terminology back then, but I just started trying things. I remember I'm like, I can just try anything. And the crazy thing was, is a lot of things like worked. Like the church grew and things went really well. We, we would try all sorts of things that I look back on now and I'm like, man, I was bold for a 21-year-old. Um, I remember the first thing I did when I, I got this job, I called all the best musicians from the city and I said, hey, can you come to my church and train our other musicians? And the crazy thing was, is half of them said yes. They actually came and did it, which was wild to me. We, we would try things. I, we, we started a choir. The church had never had a choir in all of its history. We started a choir, and we would sing songs that we just heard. Like, this is early 2000s, and so um, Beyonce's Crazy in Love. You guys remember that song? All right, this is, this is kind of shout back, looking back a little bit here. But I remember one time while people were walking into church, I had the whole choir singing Beyonce Crazy in Love. So they're all like, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. You remember that? And I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. Like, why not? Let's try this. And we were writing songs and we recorded two worship albums of all original songs, which I, I wrote a bunch of them. And just in case you're going to ask, no, you cannot hear them. <laughs> they have been adequately buried in the doldrums and the archives of music history, never to be seen again. But we did it, and it was good. Things were going well. Things were successful. I was getting invited to lead worship at different conferences. I preached my first sermons, having this whole amazing ministry experience. And, and things were going really well until things started not going as well. And because I was young, I didn't realize at the time that some of the decisions I was making were uh, reckless. They were, some of them were insensitive. I was hurting people's feelings without re meaning to or realizing I'd be brash with people. And I was planting seeds that were going to come back and, and hurt me later on. I, I did just foolish things. Like, I remember I, I, one of the, I, I, we had all these clarinet and flute players at our church. And one day I just fired them. I just said, hey, we're not going to use you anymore. And without taking into account their feelings, without realizing one of the women who played the flute had been playing at the church for like over 20 years, like as long as I had been alive at that stage, and I come in and I'm like, hey, you can't play the flute here anymore. And so the lead pastor starts hearing these rumblings and people weren't happy. And I started getting criticism and he was like, oh, things aren't going as good anymore. I remember one time we had um, a guest preacher from the city, and he was one of my favorite guest preachers from around. And so I was really excited about him coming to our church. And so I, I'm getting ready to lead worship, but I had, I'd been kind of arrogant. I hadn't really prepared very well. And I was like, this thing's just going to go amazing. It doesn't matter. I've got the talent for it. But it didn't <laughs> go amazing. <laughs> In fact, it went terrible. It was a train wreck. I kid you not, at one stage, we had a piano player playing, starting one song, a guitarist starting a second song at the same time, and a vocalist singing a third song 
over the other two songs playing, right? It was, it was the trinity of worship music all happening at the same time. And what ended up happening was the lead pastor ran on stage waving his arms and said, you have to stop and start again because that is a train wreck. And so I was mortified. This guest preacher was there and I'm like, oh no. And so it was this crazy season where, where I, I went from this season where everything was good, right? And I was building and I was having success and things were going really well to all of a sudden this season where it felt like, like nothing was working. And people were against me and they were criticizing me. That's how I felt at least. And no longer was I building. It felt like I was, I was breaking. I'd gone from a building season to a breaking season. And I, the thing is, I, I look back now, right, nearly 20 years on, 15 years maybe, depending on where it was. I look back now at that season, and I see God. I see God. I do. I, I see God turning over the soil of my life. I, I see God breaking up pride. Breaking up self-sufficiency. I, I see him breaking up idolatry. I see him breaking up the, the idol of ambition, the idol of success, the idol of pride. I, I see God even in the midst of it. Guys, and, 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 and while I believe that in so many ways we are formed by the building, right? I think I was formed in some ways. We grow in some ways. We, we build, right? I think there is a forming that happens in building. I think there is a transforming that happens in breaking. And I look back on that season, I see God's hand. He was transforming me. He was growing me. He was changing me even in that moment. And he was doing more of that in the breaking season than even he was doing in the building season. And guys, if I could give you one kind of key takeaway from this message, one thing that you remember, one thing you write down, I, I would say this, don't run from the breaking season. Don't run. Don't run from what God is doing. When you mess up, when, when you, you let your wife down, when you say the thing you shouldn't have said, when, when the relationship busts up or the job promotion doesn't come, when you do something to someone or someone does something to you or you just find yourself in a season where it just feels like nothing is going right, friends, don't run from it. I'm not saying seek it out, right? I'm not saying look for that season. I'm, I'm just saying when you find yourself in it, and you will, and you probably have already at some stage, don't numb from it. Press, press into what God is doing. Press into what God is doing. Because, because there are things God wants to do in your failure that he cannot do or will not do in your success. Things he can only do in the breaking that he cannot do in the building. And, and, and I think there's a reason for it be, and that he can do it in the breaking that he can't do it in the building. And the reason is because there's a lesson in the breaking that isn't found in the building season. And, and, and the lesson is, 
it's a painful lesson, and it's, 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 it's a lesson that we forget over and over and over again, a lesson we need to be reminded of, but it, it's one of the most fundamental and core lessons of the entire Christian life. Honestly, it's a lesson that Israel spent generations trying to learn. It's a lesson found in breaking that's not found in building, and the lesson is simply this. We need God. That's it. That's, I, I think that's the number one lesson that comes from the season of breaking, the season of failure, the season of disappointment, the season where God is upturning the soil of your heart again. He is reminding you, not because he's causing it, but because he's using it. But he is using it to remind you, we need God. I need God. You need God. Israel needed God. America needs God. Atlanta needs God. Washington, D.C. needs God. Grace Marietta needs God. Grace Capital City needs God. It's, 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 in, the, it's in the breaking And all of a sudden, the, the, the fertile soil that needed to be turned is, is brought back to the surface through a season of breaking that we, that, that we remember our absolute dependency on Him. Just like, just like David says, Psalm 73, 26, my flesh, he said, my flesh and my heart may fail. The Lord is the strength of my life, my portion forever. We, we are reminded in the breaking of our need for a Savior. And the, and the truth is, guys, many of us, even watching today, you have found yourself, or you find yourself right now in a breaking season, right? And, and for some of us, it's been about things we've done, mistakes we've sown, we've, we've planted seeds that we've harvested down the road, things we've done that have, have come back and led us into this breaking scene. For others, it's been things that have been done to you, things you had no control over. But you find yourself in this season. I, I, I was thinking for many of the black members of our churches, this may be a black a, 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 a breaking season. I talked to many of the black members of our church, and that's been the, the sentiment where you, you, this breaking season has come as, as you've witnessed again the, the horrors of racism. You've seen it on display in the murder of George Floyd and the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. You, you've seen this, and, and maybe there were wounds that, that, that you thought you'd buried deep, but all of a sudden they've, they've resurfaced and anxiety's been rampant and fear's been rampant. And you've been asking like, God, how long? How long does this country wrestle with racial injustice? How long will it take for this? But you find yourself in this breaking, this breaking season. For some of us, it could be to do with the quarantine, the COVID, the corona. You've been furloughed. You've lost your job. There's there's uncertainty about the future. Maybe it's, maybe it's health uncertainty or financial uncertainty, but you find yourself in this place where it just 
feels like the soil of your heart. There's a breaking that is going on. Guys, I, I want to just say to us, whatever it is, if you find yourself in a breaking season, for whatever reason where you're saying, you know what, there is a lot of things happening to me right now. I, I want to just encourage you this. Lean in to God. Lean in. Lean in, as, as, as painful as that feels, right? As, as hard as that sounds, lean into his words. Just let yourself feel that dependency on him again. That's what fasting is about, right? We talk about this all the time, fasting. Remembering your need for God. If we remember our need for God, so many other parts of our lives begin to line up, guys. And, and, and remember that as you lean in, as you allow God to turn up the soil, just as God told Israel is what I need to do, remember He is forming you. He is doing more in that breaking than He would in the building. He is shaping you. There are things being sown. There are seeds being sown right now that will be harvested a hundredfold in the future in fruit that comes for your life because you allowed the Spirit to use a season of brokenness to open you back up again. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. Circumcise your hearts. I'll, I'll finish with this. Oh, they say, circumcise your hearts. You know, circumcision for Israel, it was, it was supposed to be a, a physical sign of the covenant. A physical sign that pointed to an inner reality, an outward symbol that spoke of something deeper that God had done in the hearts. But over time for Israel, what had happened is, is no longer was it an outward symbol that spoke to an inner reality. It had become just an outward symbol. It was purely physical, it was religious, it was repetition, it was, it was nationalistic, it was just the thing you do. And, and I love the way God is saying it. It's, it's like he's saying, you know what, I, I don't actually care about the outer thing. I don't care about the physical sign. He's saying, I don't want just a circumcision of the flesh. I want a circumcision of your heart. What, what I'm really looking for is a, a heart that's fully mine. I, I'm looking for a, a devoted self, right? A people who remember they need me. And guys, I, I want to just land this here because this is why these two instructions to, to turn over the soil, break up the unplowed ground and circumcise your heart. These are why these are so deeply linked is because it's only a heart that is broken that can be circumcised. It's only a heart that is broken that can be fully God's. It's only a heart that has gone through the breaking and allowed God to use the disappointments, allowed God to use the letdowns, to, to, to open us up to our need for Him that is ready to be marked, to be set aside. Circumcision was about setting aside a people. God, God wants a people still today set aside for Him with a circumcised heart, 
the marked heart. People who remember. And so my prayer for us, and I pray this over our churches, I pray this over you, wherever you're watching this, I pray this over our city, I prophesy this, that we would be a people who allow God to do the hard work that we may be mocked. Not just in the flesh like Israel was where I'm doing the right thing, I'm saying the right thing, I'm showing up to the right things, I'm praying the right prayer, but no, 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 no. A people who have been cut and changed on the inside. That's my prayer for us today wherever you're watching, that you would allow God to do that work. That you would, you would just even physically get on your knees in the morning and say, God, I need you. I need you. Break it up. My heart's hard. Let's just, let's just even just pray that right now. Wherever you are, just hold your hands out like this. God, I need you. heart has become hard. My soul has become dry. Would you break it up again? Would you bring the fertile soil? Would Would you bring soil of my heart to the surface where something can grow, something can live? Would you use whatever it is I'm going through right now for your purpose and for your glory? God, we need you, we need you, we need you. Mark us for you again. Mark us for you as daughters, as sons of the Most High God. And all God's people said,